And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portstein with you on a, I'm not even going to act like it's Tuesday morning anymore. <laughs> I'll screw it up by the end of the show. It's Monday night. Uh, Allison Lucan is here. Hello. We've got a special guest. You know him well. Jody Shelley is here. Hi, guys. Jody, how are you, my man? I'm great. I'm great. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing good. We're doing good. Um, you, you tell the people where you are and how you're go, getting through this. Everyone's got their own story or how they're surviving. You got, you got little ones. How are you keeping your sanity? How are you, how's this uh, going for the Shelley family? Well, it's unique for everyone. And you know, how often do you get to, I mean, you really have to accept the fact that you're not allowed to do anything. And right. when's the last time we were able to do that? So as a family, you know, there's been off days, there's off seasons, but there's always uh, youth hockey, youth baseball, youth, you know, whatever's happening and friends sure. and stuff. But now that we're not allowed to do it, we're just spending time together. Uh, you know, homeschooling is happening. My wife is from the Hawking Hills, which is about an hour, uh, an hour southeast of Nationwide Arena. And we have a cabin down here and we are dealing with low water pressure, uh, <laughs> lots of mud. Uh, wind storms with trees rocking all around our house. So, you know, it's good stuff. It's, it's fun, but I think it's, uh, we're all on edge a little bit because we don't know what's happening, but at the same time, we're trying to enjoy some, some moments throughout the day. Sure. Now who's doing the homeschooling? Well, it's a combination. My wife, Mandy oh, nice. is a former fifth grade teacher. That's why I was asking. Yeah. Yeah. Laurelville, Ohio with population of 500. She taught right in the Hawking Hills here. Yeah, exactly. So um, she does a little bit, but still the fifth grade math, you know, that show 
Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Remember that was on uh, with Jeff Foxworthy? Yeah. It's, the answer is no, I'm not smarter than a fifth grader. I figured that out. It only took three weeks, but it was, uh, it's been humbling to do fifth grade math. I'll tell you that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, did you watch the replay? Or have you watched any of the encore airings of Blue Jackets games, either from earlier this season or that Tampa Bay series? You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't. Uh, we have an antenna down here, and our Wi-Fi is a hot commodity. It's at a premium because it's a Verizon hotspot, and it's mostly for uh, it's mostly for homework. So we're going up the road to use internet and get downloads. Nice. I did see stuff on Twitter. I followed some of your comments, and I followed all the Twitter comments, and I I love the highlights on Fox Sports. Some of the big moments that happened during that series. I know there's a lot that I missed, but I got excited and I, and I got chills just thinking about some of the moments, the torch speech, um, the way they came back. You know, that torch speech was interesting because Fox Sports, who I work for, we had to ask for permission. And Joe Whalen, our producer, asked if we yeah. could get in for that speech. And he was, you know, he wasn't sure he was going to get it. And Torts himself had to say yes. And he approved it. And he put on that from the heart speech, which went around the world in three seconds, like anything does on, on Twitter. And it became one of those. I, I think it's a it's a going to be part of folklore as, as to that sweep of Tampa and, and that moment that Torts gave his team that we got to see. So that gave me chills just to start and think about the way that st- series went. And Jody, we always hear that that raw raw speech is it's it's not Hollywood. Like you can't. You only have so many of those that you can use as a coach. Like, I don't think Torts could go to that speech again this year. It doesn't have the same pow effect. What made that so powerful to you? I mean, I'm sitting at the laptop in Tampa when I see it the first time, and I'm I'm like, holy shit, I'm not even, I'm not even supposed to be rooting for either of these teams. I want to go run through that cement wall over there. <laughs> well, as a player, I know you can't go to that all the time. How often does a coach go to that well? Does anybody do it better than Tortorella? And why was that so? Why did that hit you right there in the big fields as a, as a former player? Well, I think the first thing is there's a. It really relates to a lot of stories and themes and and and, and underdog roles that we love. You think of the movie Rudy. You think of anyone that's been an underdog. You think of any of the great moments in sports. You think of any of the time where you look at an athlete on a pedestal and you want him to get up off the mat. Yeah, I think yeah. John Tortorella is one of those guys that his he's got a lot of strengths and one of his biggest strengths, if not his his biggest is is creating and making his his players aware that they're underdogs and no one cares about them and no one's giving them a chance he's very aware he was aware in tampa of a lot of things that were going on the two days that we were there the press you know he he's 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 got his ear to the to the what's being said to the ground he's watching the airwaves he's really watching the narrative of the series going in and he took what he could and he presented to his players and his players honestly you know players believe in themselves and players believe in moments in their team. And I really don't think that this team did not have a moment where they didn't believe going into the series, but when you're down three, nothing. And when you look at yourself and when you think of moments, you know, it's kind of like David and Goliath. And I think that moment where you have a, a, a coach who gets down to your level and includes himself with you and, and, and makes you understand what everyone else is thinking. You kind of, you got to, 
do nothing but look across the room and say, okay, it's just us. No one believes in us but us. Let's go. And I think that was there. And that speech was before the game. And remember, after yep. the first period, right. after the right. first period, they're down 3 nothing, right? Right. So it's like, okay, now what happened? But then the belief came through. And that's where, you know, you have those moments where someone says something, you get out and you run through the wall and you look back and you think, wow, that was great. It was kind of a cumulative thing with Torts. And, and, and I just think it's his passion. And, and you're right, he can't do it all the time. But he pulled the bullet out and used it there, and it was from the heart. And I think just everyone identified with it. And that's what made it so special. Well, the angle that we have is is from behind Torts, and you can see you can see uh, faces. There's probably six or eight faces there that you can see facing him, and most of them look like, "Oh my crap, what is what is this?" Alexander Texier looks like he's like uh, next plane to Paris, please. Like this guy's a little <laughs> this guy's a little crazy. Um, but take us in the room and or what you think the room would have been like right after that moment. What's the player reaction when he goes hightailing out of the room? Is there are there chest bumps? Is there is it just very serious? Are the guys does that passion immediately bleed into the players or how do they handle that? Yeah, I, I think it definitely does. I think there's a roar. You know, I think there's a roar from Nick Felino and Boone Jenner and David Savard and, and and Riley Nash, who say, okay, let's go. I think Bobrovsky is a guy who's settled in with a smirk and maybe like, okay. But, right. but I think a guy like Texier is waiting to see how to react. That's, yeah. When you're a rookie, you don't know how to act. You know what I mean? Totally. So when your yeah. coach leaves there, you wonder, you look around and say, is everyone going to cry or what the hell, you know, what's going to happen here? But <laughs> right. I think it's a roar. And, and, and then, you know, everyone feeds off that, that raw emotion right away. It's, you know, it used to be music right to the end, and then someone would say something, and a couple guys would fire you up, and you'd go out and, and, and roar, just like being in youth hockey. I think in that instance, yeah, it's emotion, and it's just setting the table. It sets the table, all right, let's eat, let's go eat. And I think that's kind of what it's like. <laughs> Jody, we saw how dominant that Blue Jackets team was defensively in that series. The four-check was insane. The penalty kill was insane. It, you know, Torts talked about upping kind of that focus this year was that like the perfect training ground to ask the team to play the way he needed to this season i think so i think that and and the, the key to that allison is that now he's got a group that's been together for you know let's say the core group really has been together for four or five years where they've had experiences that have also led to setting the table for that last year uh the disappointment in in washington okay you're up to nothing out of tampa you come home you act differently than you did when you're up to nothing on Washington. Did you learn anything in that series? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where, where those inches where you think you have an, an advantage, they're, they're not there in, in a playoff hockey series. You, you've got to be uber focused all the time. And there's no question the way they played last year against Tampa. That's the blueprint for the blue jackets, especially when you go into a season and you're unsure about your goaltending. Yeah. Bobrovsky let them play a little looser, not knowing who's going to be the goalie or how it's going to work out hoping you know, uh, that means you have to retreat and be around the puck. Everyone needs to be around the puck all the time in the defensive zone. They need to take away cross-ice passes from the teams that have the skill. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what they did to get Tampa. And the thing for coaching or the thing for, for parenting or the thing for anyone that tries to be an example is you can say it, you can preach it, you can show it, you can talk about it all day. But once they go out and do it and get results, you've got the gold. And that's exactly what happened. So they, he asked them to do it. They did it. They got results. And now they're like, okay, we understand. And, and you know, I immediately think of Savard and Felino and how they they played in the defensive zone but also attacked offensively. Um, 
every guy to a man. And that's why different players stepped up. They played that defensive model. They got rewarded individually and as a team. And that just carried over and, and, and resonated with them coming into the season and how they had to play. That's a really good point. And, and you know, you mentioned the experience of it, the building of the experience. And you were there. I mean, Torts talked about the word belief. Nick Felino talked about the word belief. But, I, I mean, take us inside how they really were able to translate that to a roster of guys who, who with all due respect, weren't supposed to be there with all these injuries. I mean, it was incredible to watch them bring in these players from Cleveland and kind of inject this whole mentality and ability to execute into all these guys. How does that happen? You know, I think it's fascinating uh, the work that Yarmo Kekalainen and Bill Zito and, and Basil McCray do because you have to have confidence in knowing exactly what Alexander Texier is, what exactly Bjorkstrand can be, and not just sell it to John Tortorella, but tell Torts, like, you've got to put him in situations that's going to work. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, there's been challenge The way Torts, I think Bjorkstrand's a great example. The way Torts has challenged him and brought him along, we see a guy who drives, the sh- he now is a guy that drives shifts when he's on the ice. Bjorkstrand is one of those guys that's not a perimeter guy waiting for the puck. He drives to get the puck. He drives to keep it alive. And he drives to execute and, and, and make it happen. Listen, the way they play the game, the way that the core guys play, and, and there's enough of them here now that play, they have to play a certain way. If you're a new guy coming in, and when you're in that locker room to bring in there, you just have your head down and you're going to work. Mm-hmm. And this team is just like, and, and the toughest teams to play against are the, are the ones that have confidence, and they just roll like a well-oiled machine. And every team, you can talk to them on the way in, you can talk to them on the way out, the opposition. They know it's going to be a tough game against the Blue Jackets. They know they play hard and they have a chance to win every game. And that's how they're relentless. And I think there's an identity there that even Seth Jones, we, you know, we've mentioned that he should be up for the Norris Trophy at the first half of this year. Mm-hmm. And he's a, he's a, it's, it's not because he can score goals and he's got offense. It's because he's, he is such a dynamic player that fits into the way that they're supposed to play. And he just he puts the polish on a lot of things in the defensive zone that we that we really don't notice. And I think that's a compliment to him, but it's also a compliment to the system. And that's why you can plug them in, you can plug anyone in, and and they can you know execute in getting out of the defensive zone, get through the neutral zone, and then do what's expected in the offensive zone and work together. It's it's you know it'd be a fun team to play with, Allison, because it's five guys engaged all the time. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of work. But I think it's it's the rewarding part of it is, you know, the work really pays off a lot of nights. So I would credit the system and, and, and the buy-in by the players, especially the players that have been here, uh, the way they have, they've had to, to find their game and, and then, uh, you know, to, to help everyone buy into it. We, we talked about kind of the F-U-ness of Torts' speech before that Tampa Bay series. And, I, you know, I think you felt it too. There was a bit of that from this team going into this season with all the national narratives that were out there if this season is over of course this team wanted to make it to the playoffs and make some noise there but do you think this team feels justified that they've proven the naysayers wrong in terms of what was being said about them before the season i think a little bit i'm not sure they'll admit it i think torch likes to have that chip on their shoulder i think he's smart that way i think he brought them in this year and you know, he, he realized that those guys, those guys didn't want to be here. And that's what he told them. You know, they don't want to be here. They don't want to be a part of this group. So, you know, forget them. Let's move forward. And 
uh, again, the belief in what they had. And, 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 and again, they're the only group that really believed it. And, and really, you know, we're, you and, 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 and Pori and myself, we're around this team a lot. And and do it really look that bad? I mean, do we really think right, they're going right. to fall off? <laughs> People are saying like, "Oh, Duchesne is gone, Dezingle is gone." Okay, I, you know, I'm not sure they were coming back. Bobrovsky, yeah, Bobrovsky was a key part of it, but Panarin to me was the biggest part of that that offense. Where yeah, was yeah. the offense going to come from? But um, I don't. I think they've proven enough to themselves. I think expectations. For for me to answer your question, I think expectations are going to be much, much, much higher than they were coming into uh, this season. If it is the season is over, they've gained respect in the polls. I think this is a team that maybe not all the respect they deserve, but they're definitely going to be boosted up quite a ways in the polls. I would love to see this team play in the playoffs. I, I mean, oh yeah. just reviewing that Tampa series, if this does start over and it's a playoffs, look out. This is a team that I would love to, to watch closely and see what kind of run they can get on. She's systemic. They may let you do the, the uh, pregame speech this time, <laughs> Shelly. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, if if this thing doesn't resume, like we've, we've talked about this in previous shows. I want to get your take on this. There's so many storylines that were starting to come to a head. Obviously, does this team make the playoffs? Um, who's the goalie they trust most down the stretch and in the playoffs? That's a huge question. We may have gotten at least a hint of an answer from what will what will always make you wonder about this season if they're not if the league's not able to wrap this one up, uh, but with just playing out the string in the regular season and going into the playoffs. You know, I think the biggest thing for me is I thought the veterans for the team had a very disappointing start for whatever reason it was. You know, maybe Atkinson felt like now he was, now that Panarin was gone, this was his time after a 41-goal season. You know, this was his team. Um, and that puts pressure on himself. And that's also the opposition. He's a marked man. He's a guy that, you know, they're going to try to shut down. So, you know, the, the disappointing start for the veterans and then, with this team healthy and everything going, that's my, like, that would have been the most interesting thing for me. I know they weren't going to get Seth Jones back. I know they weren't going to get Bjorkstrand back. But it, my hope is that if it does start out, start up again, whenever they can get it done, and seeing this team healthy and seeing the veterans playing the game they can, let's see what this team is. Because in bits and pieces and moving parts and different heroes, we've seen an amazing season with a lot of these people. But... Yeah. It's like a few of the veteran players who've been counted on have been in the supporting cast a lot of nights waiting to get going. They've not all been going at the same time. So for me, um, the, the other story and the big story is the goaltending situation. I like the tandem setup right now. You know, mm-hmm. Elvis, to me, I was a guy that Elvis needed. To, you guys know this. I, I wanted him to prove something to me. Mm-hmm. And boy, it was amazing. The storyline, the waiting for Vegas to get his first shutout, the whole thing with Elvis, the amazing story that you guys brought with the athletic with Tom Reed, his character, the kind of person he is, he is a, such a lovable character, but it's Corpus Allo's team until he loses it. And that's the loyalty of John Tortorella. And that's the right way to do it for that locker room. But I would love to see what happens here down the stretch. That's one of those storylines, but yeah. those are the two for me, all guys yeah. healthy with the veterans going, see what they could do. And then the goalie, how does that work out? Can they play the tandem situation or is it a situation like Pittsburgh had two years or three or was it three years ago when, Murray got hurt and mm-hmm. Murray went all the way. And right. then uh, and then the Washington series where Holpe was injured and rested, but he gets in after 
uh, a hiccup from Grubauer and goes all the way. So go, that's the other thing with the rest of goalie. When you have two goalies, you hope that in the playoffs someone grabs it and runs with it. That's what Cleveland did with Forsberg. Remember Corpusala was down there when they won that, that yeah. Calder Cup. There's a rested situation with a goalie, and that's a key. And that's what we have to remember here, and not to be too long. 82-game schedule. The ups and downs, the, the learning, the process of every day, and then when you get to the playoffs, that's when everyone rises. That's why I love this team. That's why I think that uh, they're built for some kind of playoff series and some kind of run. Um, so I go, I go back to the early days of the franchise, and he wasn't the best player on the team, but the crowd loved loved Tyler Wright. Um, you came along after that. You became the fan favorite for a number of years. You got traded to San Jose. Jared Bowl became that guy. One thing I love about hockey, Shells, we've talked about this, is there's always that cluster of of best players on the team, and then there's the guy that the crowd loves, the guy that the crowd wants to have a beer with, the guy that the crowd thinks they know. Like That's my guy. I can relate to that guy. What is it like? I'm thinking of Nathan Gerby, who became almost a folk hero this year in Columbus <laughs> in limited yeah. time. I think, I think he's one of the guys that people will remember when you look back on this season, whether it's finished or not, how much, because he became sort of the embodiment um, of the Cleveland guys who came up, who there wasn't a lot expected from them, and he really impacted the play and sort of furthered that in-your-face, not-going-to-back-down mentality. You know what it's like to be to have your name chanted in Nationwide Arena. You've heard Shelley chanted in Nationwide Arena. What is that like to be the guy that that you know those people out there love it's uh it's something that you can't even it's it's something you can't even explain it's like a dream it's like is this really happening i mean it's it's um you know you dream of getting somewhere and then you realize that people actually do uh enjoy what you do and and it's uh it's it, it's so much fun it's it, you know what i mean you look back at that and you think wow did that really happen but yeah um it's 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 rewarding. You know what I mean? It's something that you're a part of it, and, and you love to bring that entertainment value. And I think with Gerby, you know, as a fan of his and, and exactly what you're talking about is he's got such a genuine sense of appreciation. I think that's the first thing you see with him. You know what I mean? And I think that yep. goes to what you're talking about is that, oh, wow, you know, you just, you just love that about a professional athlete that you see how much he appreciates being in your uniform, the one that you're, you know, you're wearing in the stands. So... To answer your question, what's it like? Uh, I wish everyone could experience it. It is, um, it is, it is so much fun. It's uh, yeah, it's like a dream. It's a, it's a dream come true. And Jody, you've become a favorite now off the ice. I don't know if you saw the athletic media rankings, but you ranked quite high with the fans. I sure did. Yeah, that was. I appreciate <laughs> oh. that. Thank you. <laughs> Which is a credit to the. I have word- it on my fridge now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what what was the biggest hurdle to you in adjusting to that role from going on the ice to now watching it? I mean, maybe it's a different adrenaline level for you. What was the biggest hurdle for you moving to that role? Well, that's a really good question. And to be honest with you, it was being critical of mm-hmm. players. Mm-hmm. I want my role on a team early in my career was, and, and my, my role changed. I used to think that everyone had to like me on my team. And I was a yes guy, and I didn't, you know, I didn't want to rock the boat. Now, as that progressed, uh, and I and I realized that I needed to impact the team, uh, I got more critical. 
but I still made sure it was for the it was for the right reasons. You know what I mean? I would never call someone out, but I would also say, you know, you might want to look at that in a different way to a teammate rather than just think that everyone is out to get you. And I'll tell you a quick story. I was in Toronto between the benches, uh, you know, my first year, and I'm, I'm standing there. And in Toronto, it's really tight. Like I'm almost standing on the bench, and I was, I, I didn't feel comfortable down there because. You know, that's the player's space. I still want to be cool. I still want to be a cool former player. I want to be cool with the players. You know what I mean? I yeah. want to, you know. So I'm standing there, and a play comes up, a replay, and I'm about to talk about it, and I'm just talking about Artem Anisimov, former teammate of mine in New York with the Rangers, actually former line mate, and I feel these eyeballs on me, and I'm saying <laughs> something that's a little bit negative about Artie, like, Artem has got to stay on side there. He knows better than that. Maybe not. I wouldn't have said it that uh, poignant, but I would have said it to a point maybe a little softer. And I looked down, and there's my former teammate, former linemate, looking up like, what are you talking about? And I'm thinking, oh, damn it. You know? <laughs> so I didn't want to go. I don't like going. I used to not like going to that space where I'd be critical to a player. But there was a great, I forget who told me, but a great rule for broadcasting is if you say it, you got to be able to, and it's probably for you guys too, you got to be able to stand in the room the yep. next day yep. and look them in the eye and, and say, was I wrong? And that's really, you know, th- those are things you pick up uh, along the way. But that's that was the hardest thing, leaving my player mentality and becoming a uh, a part of a broadcast to, you know, educate and inform and try to try to bring our fans along and give them some insight as to what's really happening. And, and you, just, you, <laughs> you just hit it there. You always have to be able to answer for what you write or what you say. And I mean, we know Torts, of course, never, ever, ever reads or listens to anything. But uh, is, you don't have to mention names, but have you had guys call you out on something you said or, or how you evaluated their game? No, I, I know <laughs> what I haven't. <laughs> and maybe that means I'm not doing my job well enough. You know what I mean? I think there's a little bit of it needs need to be rocked. No, I, I haven't, you know, and I, there's sometimes where I've become good friends with, you know, our families, the, the Felinos, and, you know, there's a couple of former players when Hartnell was around, sure. you know, he's a, his family. And, I, you know, sometimes, you know, you'd be in that restaurant setting with the wives or somewhere and you'd be like, and I just sit there and think, no, see, is there something, what, what did I say about Nick this week, you know, but I, I don't, you know, I, there's never been it. Not yet. There, there will be at some point, but, but it hasn't happened yet, Allison. <laughs> now, do you guys get that at all? You guys don't get that, do you? Well, no one reads my stuff. They all read Porty's stuff. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> Listen, I know Zach Wierenski is uh, – there's a lot of players that are definitely in tune and, and, and are on top of what you're doing. So don't – Don't, uh, distress. Yeah, don't, Dude, don't distress. believe that for a second. Yeah. Uh, now I'm going to have to go hide after a game. <laughs> <laughs> Jody, there's a there's the old proverb or adage, I guess, that you know a coach can always pick out which one of his players is going to be suited for coaching after his on ice career is done. Do you see any budding media guys on this Blue Jackets roster? Uh, you know, there who who did I who did I see? I thought um, I thought Riley Nash was pretty good. Mm. And who else? There's someone else I interview, and I'm like, wow, he's. Uh... Maybe it's the ones that surprise you. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I think, and that's my advantage, Allison, and I say it with a smile. 
you know, I played uh, a role where people, I, I think people would meet me in public and they were shocked that I could put a sentence together. <laughs> so I have a bit of an advantage and they're like, wow, you can speak. Um, and there's a couple of quiet guys that, that do a good job of talking, but Riley Nash does a good job. And I forget who else uh, is really well-spoken, but, you know, Nick Foligno. I mean, come on. Yeah, Nick yeah. Foligno right. would be perfect at this. He's a guy that loves to talk. He's informative. He's in tune with what's happening. Uh, I'd have to him, put him as a front runner. Uh, Shells, what's the challenge? What's the difference between doing a lo- uh, local broadcasting versus national? Because yeah, a lot of times people watch it and think it's one and the same. I bet you've had some instruction about that and just sort of the different touches that are required at each level. Yeah, it's the first thing. The heaviest thing is knowing the rest of the league. Yeah. You know, when I go yeah. in the NHL network, I mean, it's a it's a couple of days of reading uh, on each team just to get in tune with what might come up, and then they 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 hand you stats packs. They do a lot of, of nice jobs giving you um, information, but there is an overload. And and the other thing, the biggest difference for me is. Um, you know, I follow the Blue Jackets. I can talk to you about the Blue Jackets on the spot any second about anything. That's what I know because I'm around it, just like you guys. But if you're going to ask me about the Dallas Stars, i got to dig a little bit think, okay, who's on the team? Uh, you know, what have they gone through? Those types of things. Um, but the desk – so in, when I do national, it's a desk job. So I know, what, I, I know what's coming. Uh, we, sometimes we go into live games. Uh, you know, there's touching on live games like that, but – for me, it's sitting at the desk and um, and actually being prepared and understanding what might be coming. But it, for me, the, the heaviest part is knowing the rest of the league. It's, uh, I mean, it's really the nerve-wracking part of that. Yeah. Uh, how did that gig with NHL Network come to pass, and how does it work uh, sort of physically? Because there are times where all, I think, the Blue Jackets, it doesn't feel like there's that much space between games, yeah. and there's Jody Shelley. <laughs> Uh, in New yeah. York on the set, and then there he is in Columbus the next morning. I'm thinking, man, this guy is. There's are there multiple Jody Shelleys, or how is he doing this? <laughs> no, there's not. Uh, but I, uh, I'll, I'll. So what I did was Joe Whalen is our producer. He used to be with NHL Network, okay. and so he's got some contacts there. So he got me in the door with a couple of the great people there, and I made it easy on them. And and at the beginning of the year, I send them my whole schedule. And I highlight when we're in the New York area just to say, okay, you know, I will be here then. I will come in. Really, I'm trying to push myself in there. And then that's led to a couple times where, yes, I'll, the team will leave and I'll stay for two or three days. And I'll get back here on a, a, a game day morning. Yep. I'll fly from Newark to here. So I just, you know what, I give them every possible date. And then I try to figure out afterwards. I just want to try to get the opportunity to get in there. So it's really just me pushing. Uh, some guys can juggle like that. Some guys have local jobs that they keep for a long, long time, and they also do national broadcasts. Is that kind of the end game of what you're thinking, or what's the goal with, with this? What's the dream broadcasting gig now that you're in it? You know what? I'm not really sure. I mean, I love my job. I love what I'm doing with this team. The local game, I think, is the job in the National Hockey League for broadcasting. I know the national stuff gets a lot of accolades, and I love the exposure, but I think it was the next step for me. I think the next step for me is to get some national content, maybe get on their radar. I did have an NBC gig lined up before the coronavirus hit, so I wasn't oh, going to really? get on there. So that, that's my next step is to get on with NBC. And with the landscape changing, uh, Porty, 
I think you understand in this in, in any business to do with uh, media or or broadcasting. I think you have to try to keep moving forward. And with mm-hmm. the national rights being up, I'm just trying to stay relevant in some different areas. And it just gives me more confidence. It opens my eyes to some broadcasters. I hear more opinions. You know, I'm around different personalities. I love all those things. So it's not only the exposure and learning experience. Uh, it's the staying with the times of what could be happening with this landscape. Yeah, who knows where it's going, right? I mean, holy smokes. No one, especially now, yeah. who knows? All right. Is there one guy, Shelley, that, that has been a sort of a guiding force for you through all of this, through your media I mean, you, you talked about Joe. Are there, are there any national broadcasters, local guys that have really sort of helped you with Hone the Craft? You know what? Um, there could be too many to mention. No, there's, there's, everyone has been very, very good to me. Billy Davidge was so good to me when I, uh, yeah. when I first got him. So was Jeff Rimmer. I mean, those guys were, you know, they, they, you could tell their, their appreciation of, uh, appreciative of having me around and, but, but I mean, I started Porty with uh, when I was in Philadelphia. I, I had lunch with Billy Clement, who was on the team plane, oh. just picking his brain. I mean, this guy—I don't know if you've ever been around him, but it's just a oh, fascinating person. Yes, he is. I mean, he took me for sushi on a rainy day on an off day in New York <laughs> to his favorite spot, and I think the su- the name of the sushi place was No Name Sushi or something like that. And Billy Clement, in that deep ESPN voice, he goes. Now, don't judge the place on the name, Jody. No name sushi. <laughs> it's very exquisite. And we sat there and drank sake and talked uh, broadcasting for a, a whole afternoon. It was phenomenal. Um, but, I, you know, John Davidson pointed in this direction when I got here. Um, but, no, I, you know, I try to pick the brain of everyone I see. You see John Shannon, you try to get a tip. I see, um, you know, I see other broadcasters. We talk to each other. Uh, and I spent a lot of time early in my years really just reaching out to different people. So uh, none lately, but, you know, when I see them, we, we talk and, and go over a few things. And it just, it's just a fluid thing. But that's a good question. I don't think there's any one person. Have you seen the British broadcaster who's doing play-by-play of his two labs, the chocolate? Oh, it's the... so good. No, no, oh. I haven't. No, I haven't. I'm wondering if you're walking around the, your place down there and doing any sort of live action no, I'm not. It's just to keep your mind fresh. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm reading a lot more than I, you know, we get that sports scan every day. Do you read all yeah. that? And I read the athletic. Yeah. Do you it's read that every day or you just skim it? I mean, I skim it and there are guys, there are people that I always read. Um, yeah. but sports scan is just like, wow, it's too much. It's unbelievable. I, I, I never had a chance to read it, but I'm trying to read it every day. And it's like, it takes me forever. I mean, even though there's less stories, but it, I think there must be, I don't know. Is there eighty or sixty a day now? Still, yeah. it's uh, imagine it. it's now, a fun it's read. It's crazy. Well, Jody, thanks for being with us. Hey, hey, Jody. My pleasure. Anytime, guys. Oh, Alice has got one more. I have one more question for you, Jody. For what, yeah, what, yeah. what? Maybe our readers and listeners don't always know when I don't always quote you is that before I write something, I'm usually checking in with you to make sure that what I see is what's actually happening on the ice. And, and you mentioned too, you know, taking on like a new team and being able to speak about them intelligently. For, for fans who, are, who see the Blue Jackets 82 games a year, how should we look at other teams? What's the right way to dissect a team, understand what they're about, take in how they play? How do you evaluate a team that maybe you're not as familiar with like you are with the Blue Jackets? Well, I always, I always watch the coaches' um, media 
availability before the previous game and after the previous game mm-hmm. and his comments in the game of the morning and his, and his comments um, going into the game. I, I think you get so much information um, from some of the coach, even if it's coach speak, I love mm-hmm. to hear and get the tone of their coach because I think a lot of teams take on the personality of the coach, especially some of the coaches that have been around and even some of the, I like, like Travis Green for me in the Vancouver, I don't see them very often, but I love to watch him and, and, and try to understand what their team's about. Um, I always look at the all-stars. I mean, I think that the superstars do drive the game. So I love to see what they're about. And then, you know, um, you always need, you always need to just be in tune with what's happened. Like Dallas stars for me, think about the situation there. I was just thinking about this the other day, their coach gets fired. Rick bonus who's the longest serving, um, professional sco- uh, coach in the history of the game is one of them in the game is behind the bench. Now he's having such great success. He's been in the league forever. And they've, they've got a former captain in uh, Joe Pavelski. They got a former duck that everyone hates in Corey Perry. <laughs> these are things, these are things you forget about. So I, I, I always look for the personality of the team. I love listening to the coaches and, and uh, some of the superstars. Uh, and then if you really want to get into it, you read the articles. And you guys are the best at driving the articles and, and the, the personal stories. So uh, that's, I think it's, don't you think that's the best part of our job is to do the research on the incoming team? I don't know how you guys feel about it, but for me, Allison, oh. I, I'm not a numbers guy. You know that, but you do a great job providing me with some support and, and all of us with support on what's happening with the team. But I, I love the stories on what's happening um, away from the rink and then with some of the personalities. You can't have the numbers without the stories. Otherwise, where's the fun, right? I say. I don't understand. I, I know, and there's a lot of numbers I just can't, I, I don't understand. But I, I do, I do, I'm trying to understand the numbers and what they mean because they are a huge part of what these organizations are doing. But well, yeah. there's, there's nothing better than when Allison's numbers justify or prove your point of what you think you're seeing with your with your <laughs> naked eyes. That's the best. <laughs> That, they that, prove that's you that's right. the home run, right? That's yes. the home run, right? It's all working now, baby. Listen, right. I said, if yeah. I before I write anything about what's happening on the ice, I'm usually grabbing Jody into practice and saying, hey, I saw this, and Jody would be like, yeah, or he'll be like, no, you're you're completely off base there. No, no, you're bang on. You're bang on. You do a great job. You're in tune with what's happening all the time. You bring up great points. Sometimes it's things that I didn't notice. I think your last one was about the penalty kill, yeah. uh, and it was a very tangible, and it was a great point that sometimes – we overlook the, the, you know, we think it's, it's not, it's not that it's simple. It's a, it's a detail that maybe we've overlooked. And I, that's what I appreciate about, appreciate about what your questions like that. Well, you're so very thank kind. You. Well, thank you. You've, you've been a huge help to me. So thank you, Jody. Well, anytime. I appreciate you guys uh, having me on and, and uh, yeah, you guys are a great team. So. Well, thanks man. Keep thanks for getting us through uh, Another uh, podcast. I, I know the people out there appreciate it. We hear from them every time. They're, they're just glad that people are continuing to talk hockey in the Blue Jackets. So thanks for being with us and enjoy the uh, your time down there with the kids and the and the lovely wife. Well, I appreciate it. And you know what, guys? It's easy when we have content. And I think the people with the most skill are, are working now and doing great work. So that includes you two. So well, thanks, thanks for having buddy. me on. Thanks, Keep up the great work. It's what's getting us through us and, and getting a, us away from what's going on in the world. So uh, we appreciate it. You're a good man, Charles. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for doing this. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Jody. Be Take well. Care, all right. All right. You too. See you, Allison.
Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.